Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in not Toronto, Ontario. I'm some Burlington. I'm in Burlington. Where the fuck is Burlington? Someone tell me where Burlington is. Huh? We're at Cardin Wellness. Oh, that's what makes at... Burlington important. Yes. I get it. Because before then, it's just a place that sounds sort of like Hamilton. Oh, you're talking in a room full of people who are from this part of the world. So <laughs> let's Sorry, be we're, friendly. We're, 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 we're Scarberians. We Scarlo. are. We're on site right now we, we are at apparently. we're at the one concept canadian massage conference this is hq man this is at headquarters hq yeah there's a lot of monitors and stuff going on there's a lot of people with microphones and headphones and, and a lot of tvs and a lot of lights a lot of therapists all in one room i've never heard so much fucking massage talk in my life i'm like the cameras are not even <laughs> you guys don't the cameras are not even rolling someone's treating someone over there someone's got uh, uh, uh tools out scraping each other over here like can you guys just fucking talk about something else that's not therapy is that possible we're in the spirit mark well hey everyone it's amanda <laughs> and i am also on site and i don't mind talking about massage because i was actually the person getting treatment from our guest who's sitting next to me we have sean michael who's a registered massage therapist and a manual osteopathic practitioner in keswick and he taught two classes so far at this conference yeah, and man, has one more coming he's up a, tomorrow he's already put in six hours this guy does literally everything we watched him do some cranial sacral he'll be doing some visceral tomorrow um, he fixed my ankles in, I don't know, 20 minutes. I feel freaking fantastic. Pole dancing? Is, is that one of those? Uh, no. Pole dancing. <laughs> Someone said something about pole dancing the other day. I could teach that. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I think that's information we should have found out before a proposal in marriage. It would have been nice to have. I'm not saying it would have been nice to have. I'm not saying it would have changed my mind. I'm just saying it would have been nice to have that information. <laughs> All right. Enough of your nonsense. Sorry. Let's get to our guest. So yeah, as I said, we've got Sean Michael here. I'm going to let him introduce himself and give a little bit of background. Um, as I said, he's a registered massage therapist, manual osteopathic practitioner and educator who teaches many, many things. This guy does... This guy does a lot of stuff. And there's quite a bit of stuff I actually do, so it's always nice mixing it up. And thank you guys for having me on today. I really appreciate it. You didn't have a choice. We're just going to force you. <laughs> okay. Like, you're sitting hey, in the you room. sit down. Get, Here's get a microphone. Get the fucking mic. Let's talk some shit. <laughs> no, we'll just talk about anything you guys want to talk about, so I'm open for it. All right, let's start with you, sir. Let's start with you. Tell me, tell me your life, and yeah. I want to know how massage comes into the mix, because yeah. massage is your life. So I basically jumped into it. I was supposed to be a phys ed teacher, if you guys can imagine that. I had uh, 36 scholarships to the U.S., and was supposed to go down to play soccer in the U.S., and I ended up staying back and jumped into massage school. Oh, why would you stay back? Um, this sounds like a dream. This yeah. sounds like a dream. Yeah. So w why not the dream? Yeah, well, um, there was a family situation where my dad lost his job so as the oldest sibling i stayed back and i put my brother through college university first Whoa. before i went through is that a responsibility you were happy to take on uh, it was okay i'm not gonna lie i'm yeah. i'm i'm a nice guy and i'm yeah. i like to think i'm selfless most of the time yeah. i don't know if i would have done that yeah. i don't know if i could have done that i've always been the oldest so it's always a th thing for me you'll always look after family right so mm. So I've always been taught that way. So my brother, my sister, you always, as the older sibling, you always look after them. So that's how I, I kind of did. So I took a year and a half kind of off just working, helping them out. Yeah. And then um, massage came along. I was like, okay, I'm good with drawing, good with painting. Um, I'll try doing something with my, my hands with massage therapy. And then it became a passion. So when you stayed back from going to your scholarship, yeah. what were you doing? I was actually working at Mr. Lube as an oil mechanic <laughs> underneath cars yeah. doing a thousand car oil changes a month 
Mm. for a year and a half. I'm not even surprised that he decided to stay back. Um, well, you're an over, older sibling. I am an you older sibling. It. I'm a younger sibling. But, oh, I don't it, fucking understand any of that. It's also his family background. Like over dinner last night when we were talking, he had mentioned, you know, his dad arrived in Canada with something like, what, $5 and a chocolate bar. bar. Yeah. And so kind of he's bar? got, yeah, what kind of chocolate arrow. bar? An yeah. arrow. arrow <laughs> <chocolate> bar. Horrible. <laughs> yeah. But that sort of instills in you this idea of like, I just have to work and make things happen. And, it, you know, there's no there's no rush to be successful or prosperous. This this guy arrives in Canada with five dollars. But I mean, he didn't have to come to Canada necessarily. Oh. He made this decision to come here, Maybe built a, a good life there. for his family. He's yeah. got you have what, two other siblings? I have two other siblings, a brother and a sister. So the family background to me makes sense that he would be like, OK, cool. Dad, don't worry about it. Yeah. I'm going to take over. Especially growing up on a farm. It's always that hard work mentality. Right. Growing up doing the horses. Looking he at has the land. horses. So, so you kind of grew up with that, trying to, those extra responsibilities that you have to pitch in, right? So it's just yeah, one yeah, of those yeah. things. The farm life seems tough. I know a dude, man, he's he's an older massage therapist. You probably know him too because of the whole sport massage thing. I don't think he listens to it, but he was a tobacco farmer before he, anyway. Interesting. Yeah, he would send me he'd send me pictures of big tractors. <laughs> like, this is what I used to do. When you decided that you're going to do something with your hands because you already had, you know, the creative background, which Mark and I have noticed through doing this podcast that that seems to be a common theme with therapists is the creative side. Mm-hmm. Was your family supportive of this? Did they think this would be a good career path for you? Did you have anybody who suggested this? Like, how did you decide massage is the thing? Because there's so many things you can do with your hands. Yeah, well, I kind of looked around. So like, okay, do I do physio? Do I do chiro? Do I do athletic therapy? Do I do kinesiology? I decided, okay, I'm good with like building. Uh, I'm good with uh, carpentry work. I'm good with my hands. Mm-hmm. I always say this about massage therapy. Massage therapy or this manual stuff that we do is like the perfect marriage of like the manual work and like the intelligence Art. that goes along mm-hmm. with it, right? I always like to think like how do things fit together? So if I do something here, how it relates to another area and then how that's incorporated in massage because then you can really think outside the box quite a bit with your different tasks. Absolutely. And then I already know this piece, but right after you graduated from massage school, where did you go? Actually, I went to the Canadian College of Massage and Hydrotherapy. So I did my two years there. What'd you think of it? Um, I enjoyed it quite a bit when I was there. So did you find it challenging? Um, Be honest. I found the courses, like <laughs> some of the anatomy stuff was, was challenging, like studying every day for two years. Were you fresh out of high school, though? Uh, about a year off. A year off. Okay, so you were a kid. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. At twenty twenty two, in 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 the in the program. So, so I was one of the youngest going through for it. But I just found like a lot of it was um it was hard like just memorizing everything and having to know where the nerve root is connected and the muscle for this does this action and then all of a sudden you got a surprise exam or test thrown at you like oh my god what am I gonna do today mm. and but. Um, made it through, you pushed through, and then and now looking back at it, and then as soon as it's done massage, I jumped right into the osteopathic program right away. Why did you want to do those back to back? Like, why not start working as a therapist and get your feet wet, see where you wanted to go? So one of my teachers in school was an osteo, and they blew me away because every day they would pick on one of us and say, okay, you threw out your ankle six years ago, you've been in eight car accidents, you have a liver dysfunction, you have this cream, and he would be right every single time. With just looking at you. <laughs> like so, what you just did to me. Like he literally just looked magic. at me. And Mark can attest to this. I've had ankle issues for what, like seven years? Something ridiculous. I believe you. I complain about my ankles nonstop. I and that. I love doing yoga. And so sometimes before I'd go to yoga, I believe that Mark too. would tape me up or whatever we had to do so that I could do the postures and be comfortable. Sometimes. Shawn Michael looked at me and said, you have tip post dysfunction. I'm like, mm. I do. 
Like he just looked at me and said that. What else can we find wrong with her? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of things. No, no, I'm not talking physically. I'm talking psychologically. Can we do that? No, not possible. I'll kill you. No, I think it's, it's, it's all about that. It's like an art, right? It's just like looking at something and then figuring out where, where's it coming from? What's going on and how can you change that and make it better? Right. So Little by little. So your 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 teacher that kind of blew you away in that manner. They were. Is that teacher still practicing? I'm I'm not too sure if they're still practicing. They were at the time when I was what when I was at there. When did you go? When what, what years are you there? What year? How long? Two thousand and seven. Two thousand seven. You were CCMH you were gone already. Yeah, yeah. Is this when it was uh, Finch and Dufferin? Is this yeah, a, Dufferin and Finch. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. Was Phil still there when you were there? Yeah, Phil. Phil was, he was my Alfie teacher. Alfie was still there. <laughs> Alfie, yeah. Uh, Dennis was still yeah, there. Dennis. Lauren probably had left yeah. by then. Uh, Lauren was actually still there. She was one of my teachers. Okay. And then we had um, ter- uh, Terry Lynn. Terry, Terry Lynn. Um, Jason. Jason. Uh, Jason. And Andrea. So when you finished with your, I think you said it was five years for the Manual Osteopathic Practitioner Program. When you finished there, um, where was your headspace? Where were you at? Like, did you go jump right into working for yourself? So basically, I started working for myself and for our sports rehab clinic in Thornhill right away. Um, basically that way I was able to start practicing as an RMT right off the bat. So probably within, um, two weeks of getting my papers, I started up right away, um, started working there right away. I'd probably gone through after I finished my OSCE exam, I went to them to apply right away as well too. Um, so I already had a position before I even got my uh, papers in place. Um, that way I was organized and then I had everything organized probably, Six months before I finished school on getting like my website set up and getting where I wanted to do for my own practice, uh, get my business card, get my company name. So you were just going straight into working for yourself? Yeah. No work, step in between? No step in between. Mm. And then I wanted to work at that one sports rehab clinic so I could learn as much as I could with some of the top people in the industry. Right. So I really loved the experience over there. I was over there for seven years. Mm. That clinic as well too, which mm-hmm. was great. When you say learn from people, tell me what you mean by that, because I know a lot of a lot of grads come out like I want to learn from somebody, I want to learn from something. They end up working at a busy place and they learn nothing from nobody because all they're doing because all the practitioners are busy. All they're doing is massaging and they're just in the room by themselves. And the only time they might even see anybody is passing in the hallway to go wash your hands. Tell me what you learned. So, so what I would do is honestly, I would come in sometimes on my days off just to hang out in the clinic. There it is, as well too. Or I would stay a little bit earlier, or come a little bit earlier, or stay a little bit later. There it is with the um, therapist as well too. Or we had a very open concept room as well too. So I would actually just sit in there, um, ask the uh, the therapist there, can I sit in on your session today with your patient? But then that also helped me introduce me to the, those patients as well too, so I could pick them up as a massage therapist in the clinic. And too, there I, it is. I was <laughs> I was very new, so I wanted to make sure to get my name out there. Also learn what they do, but also work with them as a team. So if we're saying the same patient, we can actually work together with that. So that's what it is. See, it's not just I want to. I want to learn from people and not willing to put in the fucking time. It's putting in the time. I'm not here today. Can I come in today? I want to learn from you. I'm going to come early. I'm going to stay late. Let me follow you around. That's how to. And do you know it. what? That's why I think that's that you know, there's people who come into school and they want to get a mentor. And the ones that reach out to us, for example, and ask us how do I get a mentor, I think that is the key point. Somebody who's working and who's busy 
So for example, if somebody were to come to Shawn Michael and want him to mentor them, you have to be willing to sort of go out of your way and work around him because he's a busy practitioner. We talked yesterday and this guy treats 100 people a week. He doesn't have time. Some weeks a little bit more than that. Some weeks a little more than that. But we're going to get into that, the way that this man has been able to change the way that he views massage therapy or even manual osteopathic practitioner work and just to work any kind of manual therapy. He's created a an environment for his patients where they get a whole team approach and he's able to see more people, but also to get results quicker than seeing, you know, five patients in a day and spending an hour to 90 minutes with each person. His business approach is something that Mark and I have talked about many times on other episodes and in courses we teach, but I've never met anybody in person who's actually doing it and doing it as successfully as you. So that's why we were like, hey, you pick up that mic. No choice. Here's a glass of rosé. And the good part too, I've been doing it for seven years straight too. So something something new I just created like a, a year ago and I'm testing it. I've been doing it seven years, no issues. And it's been successful. So you didn't start this way. So what makes you go from a very conventional looking practice to something that massage therapists typically don't do? Like other people who have been on massage therapists. So, so what I used to do is honestly, I worked at three different clinic locations plus my own and did house calls. I was working seven days a week. And basically, I got to a point where I was a year and a half wait for an appointment. And I'm like, this is not working. I am not getting good results with any of my clients and I'm not supporting them in the way they need and I couldn't get anybody in for follow-up. Can I pause before we even get into how you got into this? For therapists that are listening right now, just what you said, they probably can't fathom. How do you get to a point in your career where you have a year and a half waiting wait list? Like, how does that happen? Why were you so highly in demand? As somebody who's not even like you'd been in practice for seven years at this point. Before you answer that, though, have you always practiced in the same geographical location? No, I've oh, moved okay. all over. So I was in Keswick, where I live originally. And then my sports rehab clinic was in Thornhill, down in Toronto. Right. And then I had another location out in uh, like Schaumburg area that was over there for six years. And then I worked a little bit in Aurora and Newmarket. And then house calls, I would go anywhere. I would drive out to Oshawa, go to Mississauga, go to Kitchener-Waterloo. Because you love the work or you love the money? I, I love the work. Yeah. For me, it was never about the money. Really? Yeah. I always was one of those people that thinks if you work hard enough, the money will come. It will. So Hopefully. Yeah. Well, it does. So, so then I want to know, Sean, because I know other people yeah, are sorry. listening and they want to know, is it because you're Sean Michael or is it because of your marketing and your branding? Like, why was it that you were so highly in demand as a newer therapist? Um, I would say it was just because I put all my energy into that session. So it's all, it was a lot of it is because of what I do as a therapist. But then I looked at what can I do to get other people to do that, other staff or other people to be involved because if I can duplicate that with myself how can I duplicate it in others so creating a process or procedure on what was working because it all comes down to everybody can go to anybody to see again massage what's so different about my treatments compared to other treatments and I would ask my clients too like why do you come see me what is it that's so different about this market research so <laughs> and then you target basically what your exact client is I know exactly what type of client I want to see or who I want to work with. And then I revolved my marketing and my strategies around that. All my stuff was word, word of mouth. I hardly did. I, there was an Instagram or Facebook when I was 
starting out. It was all brand new. Facebook had just come out. I wasn't doing any Facebook at all. But again, you were meeting people's expectations and you were talking to people to find out, like you just said, what, why is it that you come see me? How am I helping you? So you knew exactly what the problems were that people were coming in to see you for and how you were going to solve them. And then when people get those results, of course, they're more willing to go out and bring more people in. So as a newer therapist, you were wildly successful and realized I need to change up the way I'm treating because I cannot see all of these people. I have a year and a half wait list, which is mind blowing in itself. Is that when the business coach entered? Uh, so I had the business coach probably just before that for all the changes I had made. Um, I was trying to cut back because um, I just had gotten married and then we're about to uh, start a family. So I wanted to kind of get things in place for my kids. So I wasn't working as much. Um, that way I wasn't working that seven day a week grind mm-hmm. and working from 7 a.m. to 11 o'clock at night. And I wanted to make those life changes. But the whole thing is, how do you do that? Because I was afraid, oh, if I don't do this, I'm going to lose the patient. And oh, they're going to be unhappy because I, I, I wasn't there for the whole thing. Or they're coming for an hour, so i got to do a whole hour plus another 15 minutes afterwards for cleaning the room and changing things over. And so then I'm working an hour and 15 minutes on one person. Yeah, that's a lot. And that's what a lot of us do, right? That seems to be... The accepted well, that's what you've been framework. conditioned right. to believe that that's what you need to do. Right. An hour. So can we explain to people who are listening to us and have no idea what we're talking about, in the simplest way possible, explain to people at this point in time how your clinic is running and how you've managed to sort of step back a little bit, but still getting your patients the results they want. You don't have to be simple about it if you don't want to. You can be complicated. I can be a little complicated <laughs> too, so it's all good. <laughs> um, but basically what I've done is I treat it as a session. So there is no time limit. There is no, say, 45 minutes, 30-minute charge, 90-minute charge. The way I kind of do it is this is my charge per session. So this is a standard fee for everything. Um, I usually do about 30 minutes. We always tell the client that you'll be here for probably about 30 minutes to an hour, but it's a session. Sometimes they might be there for an hour and 15 minutes. It's whatever we need to do to get the results, but it's just not myself because the problem I learned is early on is if I go on vacation or I get sick or I can't make it into work that day, then I lose out on that patient because I have to do all the work. But if I can set it up as a procedure or a protocol on that and have a team working with you, then anybody can see them. So here I am at the conference and I have my staff seeing my patients right now. So when you're doing stuff like this, do the majority of your your clientele are they paying through their extended healthcare benefits or are they just like, fuck, this is where I'm going for therapy because this is what therapy works for me and I like what's happening here and I'm just paying for this myself. I can see how this might be an issue as an RMT, but you're, you also have some other stuff behind your name. Yeah. But I can see how that might be an issue issue as an RMT when it comes down to billing people and how do you bill this for them to yeah. submit it to their insurance. But I always think we should fuck the whole idea of insurance anyway. I don't think it's, think up, any, to, it's up to the patient's no, story about that. No fucking RMT should be basing in their business model on, on any extended healthcare plans and blah, 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 blah. If you are, you fucking, you've missed this completely. You've missed it completely. Forever be poor if you're going to do that. Yeah, well, uh, Sean and I talked about this earlier and he, he can tell you how it's working, but he's created a business that, as you said, people are going to pay for it because they're getting results. And those who have extended benefits, good. Some of the cost is offset. But they're not saying to him, oh, well, my insurance only pays $80. Can you make your session $80? Because that's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And the whole point of it too is I always say, I don't want the people that want to pay for insurance. 
I'm paying for people that want to get better and get results. So that's who nice. I want to work with. Nice. And that's who I attract or who I bring into my office to help get results. I don't want the person that, oh, I have 60 bucks left. Can we use it up 60 bucks? And how much is a $60 session is? As I don't care about that. I care about the end result and what I find ethical as a therapist that's going to get them there. Is it mm. going to cost three sessions, four sessions, five sessions? I'm going to tell them straight up how many sessions I need to get them better and kind of progress them from there. Do we care about how we get them there? Does everything you do in your practice have to be evidence-informed? No. Uh, no. Just wondering. So, so I always talk about on the first session, I always do a 90-minute assessment. I do almost 30 minutes of just taking the client through movement exercises, neurological testing, and actually talking about their health history for 30 minutes getting to know them one-on-one, not just hop on the table and go. That is so invaluable. And I think that, again, I I hope that therapists who are listening are really taking that in because the more you know about your patient beforehand, the more you know what you're supposed to be treating, the less you have to fucking work and the quicker you're going to get the results. Like this doesn't doesn't have to be a trial and error type of thing if you do a proper intake and assessment. Well, it might be a trial and error thing because you just might not have the skill set to do a fucking proper assessment (laughs) intake and therefore you're not gathering the information that would be useful for you to bring positive outcomes. So. No, I understand that. But I think that we hear a lot as continuing education providers, we do hear a lot from people, oh, I hardly ever use my assessments because patients just want to get on the table. But again, if you can you can structure your business in such a way that the expectation is there that the first appointment with Shawn Michael, people know they're coming in and they're doing this thorough intake. They're not coming in and jumping on a table. That doesn't exist. Do you think massage therapists fail to establish their authority right from the beginning? I feel it's a, a common thing in the industry, even with some of the RMCs that have worked at my clinic as well too. They will not do a health history. They will not palpate. They won't do a posture assessment. I demand all my therapists, you need to do these beforehand or else you're setting up for failure because then you're going to have that client not show up they're not going to know the expectations. They're right. not going to know how the procession is going to fall. And they're not going to see results because, oh, I, I went to that place and I hopped on the table and that was it. I, I don't feel any better. I feel the same. And they'll go somewhere else. Why do you think RMTs don't do stuff like that? Do you think they feel they're not skilled enough? There's there's probably two or three different reasons. One might be that they're not skilled enough. Another one is, as you've said, that we've been conditioned. I'm lumping myself in there because sometimes I have to recognize my own blocks and take myself out of it. For years and years and years, the way I practice was Custom exactly results, what right? we're just, we're describing. It was like a buffet of services. You pick what you want. You come in. Like I always did a health history. I always did an assessment. But if I had somebody that I could tell was inpatient that was trying to strip before I had even left the room... I was hustling through my assessment. I didn't establish my authority. I don't treat that way now, but I've been practicing for 10 years. I wish that as a green therapist, I would have known that this 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 perception of massage, this public perception of massage doesn't have to be what I do. I can structure my business the way I want to, but there are a lot of people in the general public and maybe it's all these fucking pictures you see like of somebody laying with a flower in their ear and, you know, closing their eyes and people are expecting this. But that's this. how I want to get massaged, by the way. Right. But there are places that will do that, <laughs> right? They flower. might even give you the flower. Do you think then the RMTs not establishing their authority right from the beginning comes from possibly an RMT feeling like they don't actually have authority to establish. I'm not important enough to establish that authority. The chiropractor is. The physiotherapist is. I'm not. I'm just the RMT. How many times have you heard that? I'm just an RMT. I have, I'm so, just many, an RMT. I have so many feelings on just that, but RMT. I want our guests to weigh in on that one. I think some of the problem comes down to is also an administrative issue from the front desk 
from some of the clinics we work at as well too. Mm -hmm. They don't tell the client exactly what the uh, thing is. Right. Also, uh, the way the clinic is set up as well too with their procedures or protocols explaining, okay, as you come in for your massage, this is what's going to happen. A lot of times, okay, when would you like your arm massage? Okay, it's Tuesday. Okay, we'll see you on Tuesday. Uh, Give me your name and phone number and have a great day. Mm. They're not actually asking. There's nothing. With the client, what's going on? What's the problem? This is how we can help you. This is what our therapist is going to do for you today. You're going to be in great hands. So if we do it that way, we set up the therapist for confidence. But most RMTs are pretty shy and pretty introverted as well, too. Yet when you call your doctor's office, the receptionist will make you tell them you have a urinary tract infection right over the phone or in a busy waiting room. But it's true. You call a massage clinic and it's just, oh, you want a massage? Cool. I got jock know nothing Can about someone help you. me, right. please? <laughs> you know, I, I will add on to that, too, because what you're saying is absolutely true with the administration. So I was working at a clinic. This was probably in 2016, 2017. I was renting space in a massage clinic. And okay. I loved this place because the owner of the clinic let all of us, we, it was sort of, you know, seven mini businesses within the umbrella of her clinic. Everybody did things the way they wanted to do. Um, so we were all a little bit separate, but we worked well in that, you know, there was a therapist there that offered cranial sacral. So if I had someone on my table that I felt could benefit from that, I was like, you need to go see this person. This would be a better fit for you. So we worked well. However, the uh, reception staff there, I don't feel like the training was there. So I ran into a conflict with a client because she was just in my schedule and all it had was her name, her phone number and new patient. Yes, that's all that has to be there, right? I have no idea. Did she call and request me? Did, you know, was I the only therapist available? I had no idea. So she comes in. We get into my treatment room. She had booked an hour and I start going through her health history. And she tells me in the health history that a local chiropractor referred her to me specifically, not to the clinic. I had never heard this chiropractor's name before. I had no idea who this was. I said, that's interesting because I knew like four chiros in the neighborhood. I don't know this person. And I said, they specifically said me. And she said, yes, they specifically said to come to you. I said, okay. So then I start going through my assessment. She's getting angrier and angrier as I'm assessing her because she said, I already told you this was the diagnosis from the chiropractor. And I kept reassuring her, you know, in a nice way, but I kept saying to her, I understand that, but one, I don't even know this person to communicate with. And, you know, they didn't communicate with me. And two, even if I did know them, it is my responsibility to perform my own assessment and understand how I need to treat you. You are coming for a massage therapy treatment, not for a chiro treatment. I need to do this assessment. The assessment total took 28 minutes. And I've told this story on the podcast before because I was blown away by the response from this client. So 28 minutes was the assessment. So by the time she got on the table, we probably had about half hour left of her treatment time, right? So I do the treatment. Uh, Right after her, it was actually my lunch break. I didn't have to do this, but just out of the goodness of my heart, I went 10 minutes over. So she was actually on the table for 40 minutes, but it should have been 30. At the end of the treatment, when I was letting her know that we were finishing and, you know, what her next steps were, she looked at the clock and she said to me, that wasn't an hour. And I said, what do you mean? You came in here at 11 a.m. It is now you know, almost quarter after 12, actually. What do you mean it wasn't an hour? And this is where it got tricky. She said, I specifically asked your receptionist on the phone if a one-hour session meant a one-hour session or if it was 55 minutes. And she said, no, when you come in, you get one hour on the table. Yeah. I was fuming at that point. Like, what do you... So the rest of it is out of the goodness of my heart. I work half hour for free. I find clinics that have systems in place where administrative staff is trained really well, 
they run like a well-oiled machine. Yes. Like I worked at one of these. I worked at a place in Maple. Um, the guy who owns it is a chiropractor. His wife also, they, they own it together, obviously. She's a physiotherapist. Um, and it is just, it's a busy clinic. There's a billion therapists that roll in and out of there. And it's just a well-oiled machine. Like the, like the front desk and all the administrative staff, it's all super supportive. But it, there, there are systems that are there. So it's consistent right across the board with how everyone is handled. Everybody. Yeah, so I agree with you. The administration is a big concern. They need to know what, you know, what the appointment entails. And also there should be some sort of intake. Like you said, why do we have to tell our doctor that, you know, we're having pelvic pain, which some people are embarrassed to say, but we don't, we can't call a massage clinic and say, this is for lower back pain or I'm pregnant. Have you ever had somebody show up pregnant and you didn't know that you were getting a prenatal client? Like that's something you should know. know. I I do want to know though, since, since you're doing things a little bit different, a little bit more unconventional, do you refer to your sessions as massage therapy? Like what's, what's the term that you use for the Um, session? So, so it depends what they're booking in for. So uh, if it's a massage session, then it's a 30 minute massage session and we bill just for that 30 minutes. And then they'll see the clinical assistant or whatever for afterwards for that to do their rehab or right. ultrasound or laser. But I'm billing specifically just for the time I do and what my hands do. If they're billing gotcha. for an osteo session, it's an osteo session. Right, right, I right, never right. double bill this. I don't agree with that. And I, I can't verify which is RMT and which is osteo. So they get either one or the other gotcha. on, on their session. And that's how I run it. But also, too, before they come in, my front desk sends them an email of this is what to expect with today's session. See, that's so important. That's very important. That list, I'm going to do an assessment. You're going to get a treatment. It's all going to be within that area. We have right now, too, cleaning the table, getting it ready during COVID is part of their one-hour treatment. Ah. So if I have to spend 10 minutes sterilizing that room... Yep. That's part of their session. Interesting approach. I like it. So then their, their treatment is maybe only 45 minutes or 50 minutes. And then I have time to do my notes. I have time to sterilize the room. Right. I have a chance to run the bathroom, grab something to eat, drink some water. What do you say to someone? Because you know someone's listening to this right now going, this guy, why, why? Don't you care about people? Where is that? Com-? You know someone's doing that right now. They're listening. Where is the compassion? I just want to help. Cares, he cares a lot about people. That's I just why he's doing things this hey, way. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just going on the other side of the fence with someone. Like, I, don't, I don't live on that side of the fence. I peek over once in a while. And this is the language that I hear. <laughs> why? I, I love my people. I'll do anything for them. I spend extra time with them. And this guy is 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 taking time away from them when to sterilize. I'm with you, by the way. I agree with you 100%. But I want to know what you say to that person that's not going to send you an email. I used to be that person. Ooh. So I used to be that person. Like, I got to spend an extra 10 minutes with the client even after their hour is done. And I got to make sure I do this and this. And then when I found out I was burning out. So burnout is what made you change. Burnout. And also, too, I had to look at I was devaluating myself. I wasn't charging enough for my services and I wasn't doing what I needed to, but I had been stuck and trained on that one hour massage session. Did this moment of realization make you sit back and go, fuck, I wish I did this a long time ago. Yes. After (laughs) I had done it, I was like, what the hell was I thinking for so long? Like, what's wrong with me? Because I was devaluating my treatments, myself, what I was doing in the profession, because I had to learn... The person's not coming for the service. The person is coming for the education, the knowledge that I provide. Your patients are. Yeah. Because there's definitely patients that just, there's, I wouldn't even call them patients. There's definitely clients that just show up for a service. 
But that's where the marketing and the branding is important. Right. And that's where those people wouldn't come to him. Before we leave this topic, I just want to ask as well, because there's people that probably want to know, you know, you said you only bill for either massage or osteo. And I agree with you. I don't think mixing is a good idea. But in when you have that first uh, phone call and are you saying that your admin staff are skilled enough to know which to book the patient for? Or do you then start booking them for one or the other once you've done the initial assessment? Like how is the first assessment built? Is that based on what they're asking for? Can I take a stab at this before you do? Yeah, I feel like I feel like it's booked in as an initial assessment. And based on the initial assessment, we're going down the road of, well, but how much of this is... say there might be a treatment in that initial. Okay. Well, dun, then, dun, dun. But, but then after <laughs> the assessment determines, well, where is this treatment going to go? And therefore, how is it going to be billed? And then this is the treatment plan moving forward. That's just a guess. But let's just... Oh. Go to the source. I don't even know why I guess. Just ask the source. The way my men do it is the first thing they ask the client is, "What is your problem? What have you done?" Jock itch. Nothing. <laughs> yeah, jock yeah, itch. Okay, let's get get you in for keep your keep your athlete's yeah. foot yeah. fucking away from your balls. Is what you're telling me. But but basically, we, the way we do it is we ask. It, what they're actually coming in for and what is needed. So then the admin knows which direction to go for it. Gotcha. And so, oh yeah, I've, I've strained something in my neck and but I feel like there's a rib out. So then, of course, we're going to put them in an osteo treatment because we can't do adjustments as uh, right, RMTs. Right, right. My bartender just showed up to refill my wine and I've never been so thankful for her. I'm going to shout out Monica right now from <laughs> One Concept as my bartender. <laughs> Thank you, my dear. And I get a kiss. What a lovely yeah. lady. <laughs> I, th- I think a lot of it is we have to take the time. I even go through scenarios with my admin staff of, okay, I'm calling in for this. What do you say? Oh, this happened. What do you say with that? So then they get programmed to what? And they also know what each person does because they've either had a treatment by someone in the clinic or they know what they're capable of doing. Is that a requirement for them to work there, by the way? I'm just curious. It, it, is a quir- it isn't a requirement, but it's part of my training part of the process. training process. Yeah, I like that. And have you ever had pushback from a client who came in for an initial and let's say your front desk staff determined what they need is osteo. I assume there's some sort of script for them to let the client know that, but have you ever had a problem where somebody shows up, does the osteo appointment, gets billed for osteo, and then comes back at you and says, my insurance doesn't cover this, and I wanted to come for massage, and is there ever that issue? So I've never had that issue because I always ask, what service are you here for today? I even have what we call a patient registration form. It actually checks off exactly what they've come in for. Okay. It also states on to what they didn't like about another clinic or another service somewhere else. I hope everyone's taking note of these preventative measures that can be taken to avoid mismatches and conflict. A little off You have your procedures down to a T, and I love it. It's important. It's so important to have all these policies and procedures in place. Sorry, off topic. We're here. Like I said, HQ. Have you guys noticed? Because Brad Norris is here, and he on our podcast before he's a mountain of a man anytime this guy fucking walks by the floor <laughs> is shaking i'm like what is going on here Way to every throw step, Brad under every the step box. he's a big dude man <laughs> it's it's the it's those rock tape flip-flops that are <laughs> sorry, just, he's sorry. just like taping everybody here too we can't get avoid that the tape is just flying uh, in this room right he's now. taping people he was cupping tara nicole earlier uh, it's a it's a fun little like massage oh, training. Floors here. rumbling, floors rumbling. You can't even try to be soft on your feet. You want it? <laughs> Ballet is not your thing, brother. Ballet is not your thing. Oh man! Back to where we were. My Back fault. to where we were. We were saying the processes are really important. Yeah, but one of the things also I do is I get the client to write down their goal before they come in, so I know okay I'm coming here for a one hour relaxation massage because that's one of the two goals they have to write down. So I know in the intake before the event to enter the room what they're actually doing. 
I add a third goal on what afterwards on their treatment plan for what I think they need as That's well good. too. So I make sure I hit their two goals. Then I add actually what I think they need as a therapist on an ethical level, what I need to get them through to those three goals. And that solves the problem. You know, the the power dynamic, you know how you have p- therapists who say, well, I want to do what my client asks for. I don't want to just take over and do what I think because then it doesn't seem like I'm listening to them versus, you know, then there's the other therapists who say, well, I'm the expert and I know what I'm doing. You're hitting both of those. You're giving your expert opinion. And that's what treatment plans are supposed to be. It's supposed to be a collaboration because people know their own body. They know what works for them. They know what they like. And even if it doesn't necessarily match what you think, well, let's do all of it. You're, there's no point in there being, a, there, I, that's why I didn't say power struggle. It's a dynamic, right? Both of both of you need to be happy in the collaboration and get the outcomes, right? That's what they're there for. And that's why they'll pay or they'll travel to come see you, even though they could go down the street and, you know, get a half hour session for much much less, but yeah, three times less than when they. I didn't want to say. I didn't know if yeah. we were talking about your rates right now. No, it's it's all good. We it's, can. It's, it's, it's tell three them, tell times. Them. So, but but basically, up the street they'll they'll charge sixty bucks when they come see me. There, I'm charging one hundred and seventy eight dollars. So there you go. And that, um, you know, I, like I said, I didn't Nikki want to bring it up that. in case he didn't if want. Nikki is, it, Nikki's like Nikki yes. will like that. Yes, but I I didn't want to bring it up in case Sean Michael wasn't comfortable with it. Although I didn't think he wouldn't be, but the reason I wanted that to come up is again to get out of this mindset that we have to pay for time. What people are paying for is to have the problem solved quickly and in a way that they're going to have long lasting results. And that's what you've managed to do is figure out a way where you're working with patients, but you've got a whole team of people that you have trained and they're getting all of this value with this whole team. Even as you said, if you're not there, that's okay. Other people know how to handle these patients and the patients are leaving happy and they don't care if they've had to pay three times as much because they might only have to come three times period versus coming for the next six, seven months. Okay. There's a lot of people that are that are all over the place here. I mean, if you and your clinic and the people that work for you. Do you enjoy managing fucking staff? Honestly, staffing is a pain in the ass. It has to be a pain <laughs> it, in the it, ass. It is. But I always look at it as a business owner as part of my job. Do you enjoy that part of your job? I don't enjoy that part of my job. I'd rather, rather be just in be room? treatment rooms and doing the stuff. But I'm starting to be a, more aware of it. And I have to do it as the owner. Because my whole goal is to have freedom and have space. So that way I have more time for my kids right. and do more different activities. You know, with he them. has three children. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Nine, That's six, a lot of space. and three. So two <laughs> girls and a boy. So If you had to write down the job description, if if you're going to hire someone to say, listen, I'm going to want you to take over this place completely. In other words, be me. Tell me what that job description sounds like. Because, for example, like uh, the massage mentors, they, the Roxanne and Jack, they have Clinics. Both of them have clinics in Aurelia, and they both seem to really enjoy clinic ownership. And they both really they seem to enjoy it. like the role of being that person because they feel like this is there's a certain job that comes along with being a clinic owner, and they really dig it. Versus you're saying like I fucking hate managing staff. They enjoy managing staff. Can it be my right? turn to take a stab at this? Oh sure. I think the difference with Roxanne and Jack, and you know they can email me and correct me if I'm wrong, but with Roxanne and Jack, they run their clinic in a more I'm going to put in quotations like traditional sense that we would think where they have like the clinic that I worked at, right. where they have therapists who come in that they align with their values match. You right. know they're a part of the company culture, okay. but ultimately they're running their 
own practice with their own patients. Whereas Shawn Michaels got a team of people who are all working more collaboratively. That's a lot harder because you're not having somebody who's just coming in and dealing with their own people. You're all dealing with the same people. True. And I could rent the rooms. I could, we had, we'd have multiple people like that format. But the way is I put it, I want everyone to fit into our culture. Right. And then That's what important. I've learned too is like, especially with COVID, people can have personal stuff come down and let you down. And by the end of the day, if you have the proper procedures and protocols in place, yep. you can still succeed. So if I, if I base my practice off of all these other therapists on being this, I would be out of business right now. Mm. But because I have it on my systems and procedures and this, and then anybody I bring on, I can teach them that. Right. That's what saved me. Have you ever had blowback from a therapist that came in for a prospective job and then you give them this idea like, hey, there's certain there's certain procedures that have to happen here and this is the way I want the, run, the place run. And therefore, there's a certain autonomy that I'm taking from you. Because it is. If I'm going to work mm-hmm. at a place that has their own procedures and they're like, you can't fucking stray from this. This is what I want done here. Have you had any blowback from therapists that come to... or or? Bye, Brad. The room won't shake anymore. Brad <laughs> has to go. <laughs> See you, buddy. <laughs> So I, I've had therapists where they didn't agree with something, but then it's like, okay, then you're not the right fit for exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So does that come out right away in the conversation? That usually comes out right away. What does it sound like? I actually put it together. I write it down on a piece of paper so they know what's expected of them. They know I'm going to sit down with them once a month. They know weekly I have time for them to come and talk to me or do training right. with that. But then I find the ones that have issues with it are the lazy ones. They don't mm. want to put the effort in. But then they don't last in the clinic. Right. And But then I don't want that part of my team. I don't exactly. want that part of my culture. No. The clients don't want them there either too no. because they know they're only going to be there short term and they don't want to get short term results. It's like a fart in the corner. No yeah. one wants that. Yeah. The things you say sometimes even take me back. And yeah. I've, I've, I've lived with you for like over a decade and still I get surprised when you say things like that. It's like a fart in the corner. No one wants that. It's like the small stinking that's in the corner that's eventually going to fucking permeate the whole fucking room and contaminate your whole clinic. You don't want that. I get it. I always wonder what goes on inside your brain. So when you do have somebody come in, um, do you, okay, no, this is what I was going to ask. Do you hire... I don't know if it's hire is the right word. Are you, are your people employees or are they subcontractors? Uh, so we do both. Uh, we do recommend employees for most people if they want that because we're so busy. Right. Um, but if they want to work as a contract worker, they can work as a contract worker. Um, after COVID, we try to get away from the contract worker because a lot of therapists don't know as a contract worker, you have to show a loss. Um, so you also have to pay a rent plus your split that you're getting as right. well too. So you, you get say you get 70%. You also have to pay a rent subsidy to the clinic as well too, which most therapists have no idea or understand that. But as a th- contract worker, you have to show a loss. So during COVID, I had issues with some of my contract workers because they didn't pay from when we were closed. And technically they had to pay while they were closed because they had to show the loss. They weren't employees. Because coming back, they would then be deemed as an employee if we had an audit. There was a lot of uh, messy situations like that Absolutely. with clinic owners that we know because it it doesn't seem to be common knowledge with therapists that, you know, when you're a subcontract, you're not an employee. You're no. not entitled to certain benefits that employees are. Yeah. Um, but do you... How do you fucking not know that? How do you not know that? 
How do you how do you go and become a therapist and be an independent contractor and not fucking do what, your homework you, to know what do you something mean, like how that? How do you not know that? One, how do you not? I will tell how do you, you decide how. to 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 take your life in a certain in a certain way and and just fucking not even do any research to figure out what that's supposed to be like? I have no idea. To me, that's dumb. That's like buying a car without test driving it. That makes no sense to me. I think there are a lot of. I'm angry, I, like, sorry. Well, I will tell you right now. When I was a newer therapist, I probably wouldn't have known that because there are a lot of doe-eyed therapists coming out of school that they get a job as a subcontractor and you know it's it's not like but most but it's not like most contracts are written in a way that all of these things are covered and sometimes you can take things at face value and not realize there's more that I need to learn and know and what are my responsibilities as a subcontractor I can guarantee you if we took a poll with everybody listening you've just offended probably 60 70 percent of them because 85. they don't right they don't know that but because I don't, but it's, not, it's, it's not like it's taught it's in massage I don't understand I don't understand if I if I know that's what I'm going to do and I know I didn't even I didn't even know I was going to be an independent contractor but I show up to Monica's clinic and Monica's discussing with me the contract and this is how we do it here you're going to be an independent contractor the first thing I'm going to do is hit up Captain Google and say independent contractor Ontario CRA that's the first thing that I'm doing to understand what the hell I'm getting into. Well, you've just taught a lot of people something because I guarantee Google, you there's Google. a lot of people that mm. wouldn't do that. And I said, I'm I'm guilty that I would have been the same doe-eyed therapist that thought, okay, as I work, I just pay the clinic, you know, 30% of what I make. I'm not thinking there's any responsibility for me outside of that other than having my own liability insurance and whatever is in our mutually agreed upon contract. How many subcontractors have we met that don't even have a fucking written contract? No, I know. You want to talk about... My aggressiveness was just to <laughs> just to say, come on, people. <laughs> Do the homework. But some of it is also to the clinics. Some of the clinics have no idea either, too. They well, that's the thing. If the clinic, the clinic owner doesn't they, know... Yeah. You're expecting the people just going to work for the clinic. People just don't know these things. And it's not a requirement, nor I'm not even saying it should be, but it's not a requirement to be taught in massage school, right? So why do you think so many people, when they come to take our business course, Sean Michael also teaches business courses, some of the stuff we tell them that we might think this is common knowledge, like, oh. Even when it comes down to classifying employees versus subcontractors, we start telling people, you are misclassified. Yeah. And they have no idea. No. And even they're supposed to pay for the debit transactions that go through as well, too. They're supposed to pay for that credit card and debit transaction. And they have no idea nope. that they have to pay for that. They just think, oh, I have to pay for my 30% plus whatever I spend on myself for the linens and sheets. But then they don't understand you have to pay a loss. You have to pay for the debit machine. You might have to pay for your lotions. You might have to pay for your sheets. You might have to pay for your drive to there. Plus so again, your liability the, insurance. the idea is just make sure you have a written contract that you know that this, this stuff to me is, is such there. a fucking funny business. I'm not going to lie. It's such a funny business to me because it's all over the fucking map. You have in one corner evidence-based practitioners that are screaming to the top of their lungs, never do anything that's not this or not this, and you, we should all be practicing this way. And then you have a whole bunch of people thinking, like as I'm thinking right now like dude i don't do that shit and i employ you so just be fucking happy do you know what i mean it's all over the map i don't know i can't it is it I is all over it. the map I can't describe but it. that's why conferences like the one we're at right now are super important because you get therapists from all different backgrounds and you get to understand 
their knowledge from their perspective of how they think things work. So we have people this weekend teaching business courses. We have people teaching um, courses on different modalities or techniques or the way they view the body. You know, we had somebody incredibly technical today that everything he does is very much textbook and technical. But then we have people like Tara Nicole or Shawn Michael who are doing things more from a holistic approach that's a little bit less focused on one area and mechanics. And you know what I mean? Like there's just, there's so many. I get it. But it's, that's what makes it kind of interesting too. Do you think it's overwhelming for a lot of RMTs they just walk in they're like what the fuck's going on here I don't understand 10 years in sometimes I still get overwhelmed like I said (laughs) Sean Michael looks at me and goes you have a tip post dysfunction I'm like sorcery (laughs) (laughs) where's your pointy hat wizard (laughs) I was trying to ask him before we got into this whole discussion it's my fault it's always my fault would you hire a new grad yes I hire new grads all the time do you find that they like do they run crying when you're teaching them how your protocols and how your systems work because it's nothing that they would have learned I'm going to take a stab at this they accept it openly like give me guidance give me guidance and I'm happy to take it because I see what you do here and this is a successful place and I want to be a part of this some of them actually are actually more the opposite they actually wait two three weeks because they'll they'll go to other clinics get the other offers look at what they're doing and then they'll ask more questions after that because they don't know but at least I've educated them enough in the beginning. And if, if they don't come work for me, it's okay. At least I let them know what the standard is and what they should be expecting. Are you ever fearful of making somebody coming in feel stupid? For lack of a better term, like, are you ever fearful that they're going to feel like, like subpar because they don't know what you're teaching them? Or do you, are you, are you letting them know, like, it's okay that you don't know this, but I'm going to teach you and I'm going to help you with this. So I go more, I'm the mentor. Everyone that comes with me, I'm here for mentorship. I'm here for education. I'm here to help support them with everything. And if they don't want to work for me, I'll still mentor them. I'll still send them to whoever, even if they don't come to work for me, because I don't believe in that. I'm there to help people and help therapists. And I'm helped also mentor them to make them a better therapist for other clients. But if I don't do that, then they'll never be a good therapist for other people. Do you ever have, se- do you have senior therapists that work for Like senior therapists, meaning your seniors, people that are older than you. Yeah. How do they feel about this? Do they're like, who's this fucking kid? <laughs> who's this fucking kid? You know, tell, tell you know that actually, I'm just, I'm you just know playing that him and I are kid. actually probably similar cool. in age, well, but I'm, he looks like a baby. <laughs> then I get it. So have you ever had some old fart like me that's like, what the fuck? Who's this fucking kid? No, I've, I've had that quite a bit. I have um, some therapists that are like almost 20, 30 years older than I am. And um, they're kind of blown away at what the systems or processes we have. Right. But the problem is sometimes they, they're so stuck in their old ways, they don't succeed. So you get that. Clinic. You get, who's this fucking little guy? Yeah, I, well, I, I guess that's what I was, everyone's little next to Brad yeah, Norris. So. I, I, I look like I'm 20, and people <laughs> we're don't all bigger than James, yeah. but we're all yeah. smaller than Brad. That's yeah. that's where it goes. Yeah. <laughs> well, even when my assistants come in, the the, the therapist or, or the client thinks that um, my assistants are older than I am, and like they think I'm 21, and my assistant's like 23, but I have almost 20 years on my my assistant, <laughs> so I'm 39. It's tough. It's tough when you look so good. You're even older than I am. I quit. I'm mic drop. <laughs> older person. Like some baby looks. I love it. Well, that is why I was asking, are you ever fearful of making people look stupid? So I will tell you. Like, this man, he's got like no I, fear. But like I said in the, in, you know, how in the beginning I was sort of a doe-eyed, naive therapist. 
aside, I I mean, on, you mean wide-eyed, right? Yes. I don't know anything about on freaking top wild of animals. That, I had an ego problem, which took me a long time to recognize because I have a degree in kinesiology okay. and I had the background in fitness or whatever. Okay. In my mind, I was like, I know shit. I always did really well in school. Like, I literally walked into my OSCE like so cocky. Like, I'm like, you know, I felt like I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. And then I get out into practice and I hear people like you speak and it it brings me down further and further, like not down in a negative way where I'm like, oh, I have a lot of things to learn, right? Like yeah. there's, and so it took me a long time to recognize that like, why do I have to feel like I am not as capable as this therapist because they might know something I don't know? Like it's okay that I don't know and I should just learn from them. I'm at the point now where I'm okay with at, like saying, Oh, wow. You just taught me something right there. Like I said, when he did his presentation and we were talking about the bunions, I've got many clients with bunions. It was a simple little thing he did. And I was like, oh, that's so good. Like just small little things that you can pick up from other people where I have no problem now saying I didn't know that, but now I do. Whereas 10 years ago when I was a brand new therapist, I would be like, oh, I don't, I don't. Yeah, I, I already knew that. I know what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Mm. So like I had this ego problem. And so sometimes I feel like when you are somebody like Shawn Michael and running a clinic in the way where you want people to sort of be under your wing, they have to be the right people that are willing to throw their ego aside and willing to listen to you and accept what you're teaching them versus being like, I have my license and I know what I'm doing. And this is the way that I was taught. And this is the way I do things. And so, you know, do you care about that or are you just happy to weed out the people that have the ego problem? I'm, I'm just happy to weed out the people. I used to do that. I used to do these desperate hires because, oh, we need an RMT and we don't have one. I'll just hire whoever comes in first to the door because we're, we're that desperate. We need that mm-hmm. service. Nowadays, I don't even care about that. I'll go like a year or two years without that service in the clinic mm-hmm. because I don't want that extra stress. I don't want that person that doesn't fit into the clinic culture. Right. I just want that, that easygoing I'm here to learn. I'm here to help people. Let's do what we got. And then I always say too, I learn from them as well too. So they teach me something, I teach something. So there's an even trade going back and forth. It's not about why do and my model. So you don't feel like you're a guru. You're a mentor, but you're also open to learning from other people. Do you like being a boss? I don't mind being a boss. Um, (laughs) It does come with a lot more on your plate, but um, I do like helping more and kind of leading. I like being a leader within in there. Tell me about the most difficult fire you've ever had to do. Oh, most difficult fire. I'd probably say my um, receptionist was caught stealing from the clinic. Well, that sounds like an easy fire. <laughs> for, first year oh, of business. It was not a small amount for, of money. For eight, for eight months. We had no idea for eight months. Oh, wow. Yeah, because she was responsible of changing all the bills and doing the accounts and falsifying all the information so so it was it was quite a bit and I, that was a first year of business so i had no idea we we're just trying to get things going right but then you look in the bank account okay the money's not there where's the money oh we're short this this month okay we must have miscounted somewhere and then you're looking back and you didn't know where it was uh, it was because the admin was pocketing every every single wow. day so wow! So that he also had to fire a client for uh, fraud. Wait, 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 wait! Time out. Do you just fire someone for that? Or are you like, um, I'm calling the cops here? 
Like, what do we do with this? I don't know. I don't know. That's why I don't have people. I don't want people around me. I don't want anyone. I don't want to be a boss. I don't even want to be my own boss. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, it was comp- complicated. We had to have a full CRA audit wow. and then okay. have a forensic accountant come in as well, too, because we needed to track where everything was going. Right. Wow. Because so we, when we it was no exposed idea. that the admin was pocketing money. Yeah. Did you speak to the admin first or was it? We spoke to the admin first and let her go right away to get her out so we could actually focus on what was going on. And then we had a meeting with all the therapists and all the staff to let them know what was going on. The problem that we had, though, is most of the staff did not believe what we had said. Most, most of the times were too because close they were with, close with, with that person, therapist. Yeah. Did anyone know? No one had any idea. idea. We tried to keep it as bell, but when some of the clients were asking because we had to call some of the clients right. about the situation. Yeah. Um, because of the fraud and the falsification of bills mm. and stuff like that. So that's a difficult fire because it's complicated. Yeah. But have you ever had some? Have you ever fired somebody that you're like, fuck? You know what? You're a good person. You're a good therapist. You're just not a match for what we do here. And now I gotta let you go. Yeah, I've had those difficult conversations. What does that sound like? I want to know. Uh, it's a hard one, but. It needs to be hired because would you rather go another six months with the same headaches and same issues? Absolutely not. I agree with you one hundred percent. You yeah. gotta let him go. But what does yeah. that what does that sound like? And then yeah. does it does that do you leave that at work or does it go home with you? I just fucking took away someone's income and fuck. The way I look at it is it's not taking away someone's income because if they wanted that income, they would be working harder than what they're supposed to. Gotcha. They're not just coming in to show up every day and go home. They're putting that extra 15, 20% into the details. So you leave it at work? We leave it at work. Okay. At the end of the day too, I, I leave everything at work. Nothing affects my home life. I just basically Were go you always home. like that? In the beginning, no. Did you make a conscious effort to switch that? Did you I, like I recognize, had, like, fuck, I can't bring things home? And Yeah, I made a conscious decision on that situation. Was it hard to make the change? It was very hard to make the change because I was very emotional. And then I had to realize it's not an emotional decision. It's yeah. not because I'm not friends with the person. It's yeah. not because of that. I, I'm still friends with some of the people that I've let go in the yeah. company. But it just was not the right fit for them and for me at the time. And... Honestly, we all left on good terms, like shaking hands, right, hugging, right, right. usually a few jokes after they, they've left. Um, but it had to come to, like, clients were unhappy. They weren't pulling their weight in the clinic. Mm. I was unhappy. It, it just wasn't the right fit. This sounds so smooth. Most places that I've ever left or I've been let go of, it's in my mind, it's always been fire and fucking brimstone, with the exception of, like, two fucking places no, where I last, end up feeling really angry. The last angry. place that you left, although, yes, there was some stickiness in it, but, I mean... At the end of the day, what they said was true. Yeah. And you were I just mean like you were okay with it. At some point I always just think back like fuck. That's the biggest fucking waste. Maybe it's it's I, I know it's a me problem. And I always I always I always look back with a little bit of regret. Mark lives on, on in a way. sea of regret. We're working on it. What do you mean we're working on it? <laughs> we're, I'm supposed to be working on it. <laughs> I was embracing it. <laughs> I'm like, this is me. I'm this, so this man lives in a sea of regret. If he does something today that he maybe wasn't happy with in seven days, he's still going to be hyper-focused on it. And I just have to pull him out of it sometimes. The way I look at those two is like 10 years down the road, I might come in contact with that person again. Right. So like, I want to still have that good relationship with them no matter what at the end of the day, because my clients might be seeing me and still seeing them. So you don't burn bridges? I try not to burn any bridges. I have, I have burnt a bridge or two in the past for sure. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of smoke. A lot of smoke here and there, but does does it make you feel good? A little bit, but uh, (laughs) at at the end of the day, that was when I was very emotional on it. But I've learned from those things as well too, right? I'm still learning. I'm a baby. 
I'm a baby when it comes to this stuff. I want to talk about the education piece because we've talked a lot about Sean's business model, which as most of you can understand now is very unconventional, but I, in my opinion, just fucking brilliant. It's allowed him to still be giving and not even still be giving the same quality of care, better quality of care to his patients and giving a bunch of people a place that they can work really in a team in an industry that is traditionally very isolating and everybody's sort of on their own. So I, I love this whole concept. But how did you decide that you, I mean, you want to teach people more and, you know, you now run continuing education courses and you participate in these kind of conferences. And like I said, I have a magazine in my house with your face on it. So how did you decide that you wanted to do more for the community and educate people? I always look at it that anybody can go anywhere for, for therapy. And if I want to change it from a big point of view, I got to teach more of others of what to do properly. I got to share my knowledge. There's no point in me keeping my knowledge and people always come see me and I have this huge wait list and I got 3,000 people wanting to come in and I'm looking after this 8,000 patient list right now. I have to get my clients more help in other areas. So I can't just keep looking after 8,000 clients myself. I need to have other people attached to that to also look after their care. So the more I can share my knowledge or give away as much as my trade secrets or Because the rest of us are not competition, so, right? No, we're, there is no we're competition. We're helpful to you. Yeah, I look at this. There, there is no competition. We're all there for that person. And also, too, we meet certain people and certain points of our life, too, to help them out. So most of my clients have seen like 30 different therapists before they come see me. So then, But then I have to look at, okay, what have they done? What have they not done? What have they tried here? And then trying to come up with an actual plan on how to help fix that. And then they can still go back and see that person as well, too, to keep them part of their team. You know, don't take this the wrong way because I don't feel so at all. But I can imagine someone listening to this would say, what an arrogant asshole. I don't believe it. You're a nice guy. I hung out with you last night. You're a fabulous dude. And you're, you're, you're a good looking man for an old dude. But you know what I mean, <laughs> yeah. And, but, but I know someone is going to be listening to this and say, what a fucking arrogant prick. Do you care? Really? I don't or think do you not came care? across as arrogant at all. <laughs> you know, it, it can, it, someone can read, I, I know a dude and you know a dude. Well, yes, but those are people like, that, okay. like like your regret, that's a them problem. I'm just saying. I'm These just are saying, people who are the, jealous understand. of hey, a successful person I who cracked the I code. Didn't, I did not say that it was that was a valid thing to say. Okay, right? fair. But I'm saying that someone is going to say it and I probably know a handful of people that would. Do you care? You probably don't. But what is your response to that? So I used to care about that, but at the end of the day, though, I don't anymore because it's not about ego. It's not about this person's better than this person. At the end of the day, it's about the client, what the, cl what, what the client needs. And I can't worry about every person because I'm not perfect. They're not perfect. Nothing's perfect out there. So you don't, I, I understand how you don't, maybe saying you don't care sounds aggressive, but it's it's just not a concern what someone else no. has to say. But do you have a response to that? Or just like, fuck it, whatever, think whatever you want kind of thing. Uh, each each person is entitled to their own perspective. I like so, that. Yeah. So I, I like that. if they think I'm ego and arrogant and I've done all this, it's not about that. It's I've worked my ass off to get to where I am. I agree. I've put different procedures in, in protocol. I've had crazy lessons to I learn agree. to where I've gotten and I've made the best choices you're, I you're can. You're a better person than me, man, because it bothers me sometimes. I'm like, I know some things, I, I I know where I've brought myself to, it hasn't been far, but I know, I know where I've brought myself to 
And then sometimes it still bothers me when someone has something negative to say about it. Because I keep thinking to myself, like, one, I don't, I don't, I can't, I don't really care. But then every once in a while, there's a jab that gets in there, and I'm like, "You motherfucker! You have no fucking clue! You have no well, fucking and, clue but, about the amount of work that went into this fucking thing." If you did, you shut your fucking mouth at this moment. Well, can I simplify it for you? For anybody yeah, sure. who would feel that way, let's look at it in the most simplistic way possible. Okay. If there is a population of people that have an issue. And Shawn Michael, through whatever means he has done so, has figured out a way to help this population of people. They have spread the word to the point where he can't possibly handle that on his own. So he decides, partly selfish because he needs help, I'm going to now educate a bunch of other people. And through that education, it's further helping his success grow, of course. So everything he has done has been completely self-earned. He's trying to help out the profession and the population as a whole. So for anybody who feels this is an arrogant person or this is, you know, who does this guy think he is? You don't have to learn from him, but thank God there are people like him because otherwise you'd have a bunch of shitty ass doe-eyed therapists, I got to use the word again, who come out and they don't know what to do and they just get people on the table and do what their clients are telling them because that is the publicly accepted traditional idea idea of massage. Whereas then you meet somebody like him and realize there's a whole other aspect to this industry. There are people who have figured out a way to provide care that isn't what I thought it would be, but it's fucking fabulous. And I dig it, man. And you know what I dig about it even more? I dig it that you're a humble dude that way and you don't feel the need to give everyone the finger. Like this is where you and I are very different. I would feel the need to stick my middle finger in everybody's face. Do you know what I mean? It's like, screw off. But and he does do that. And I like this about <laughs> you. I like it. I was you seven years ago. Oh, man. So I was like, fuck this person. Fuck that yeah, person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then with my business coach and then learning more and growing as a business owner i've learned a lot more than that right because you can't take everything personal like if someone has to leave my clinic tomorrow that's okay you know what it is for me though it's not even that i take everything personal but i'm not gonna lie part of me really likes to do the fuck you to people like i like being angry sometimes amanda always looks at me really funny when she's like you like being angry i'm like no yes yes i do there's a certain part of me that gets joy out of sometimes displaying lots of anger and aggression and i feel for him because ever since we've met like i think he's been in other romantic relationships where there was like like a lot of aggression. Well, there were reasons. And I'm like, I'm not there for that. Like, I'm not, I'm not there for that, right? So I'm like, oh, well, I feel for you because you can't take out your aggression at home because I'm not there for that. Well, my, 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 <laughs> any, anything aggressive that goes on in my mind is never pertaining to home life, though. So No, of course it isn't. There was but something... I like this. I like this guy. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I, it's uh, Tara Nicole and I were talking. I, sorry, Tara, if you're listening to this. I just said, it's I, think it's, fault. I think it's funny that Scott always double names you and I was Don't trying not to this weekend. Tara, my lovely friend Tara, um, who will be uh, appearing on an episode coming up soon. But her and I were talking about how as an educator and as a presenter at any kind of conference, you have to throw that idea out the window. Like You have to accept the fact that there are some people that are going to listen to what you're saying and find fault in it and find areas where you might say something that's not either not entirely correct or that you maybe can't support with evidence. But, you know, she said she learned this from Tom Myers and now she uses it in her presentations where she will say, I am teaching you based on my knowledge and experience of how I understand the body to work. Meaning, uh, just as Shawn Michael said, if you know something I don't know, I'm happy to mm-hmm. take it in. But I'm teaching you what I know about the body and how I understand it to be and what things I have done in my practice to get 
these great outcomes. It doesn't mean I'm this guru and I know everything. And that's where I think that people who are really quick to uh, criticize or judge other therapists or other educators need to recognize we only know what we know. If you know something I don't know, please teach me. You know what I don't like though? It's, it's, it's It's that fucking loud ass motherfucker but they're nowhere. It's like you're you're not even the amount of success you've had in this field is miles ahead of the person that's chirping in the background. That's when I get angry. I'm like, you know what I mean? If you want to if you want to shit on what what someone else is saying, but at the end of the day, that person f- has forgotten more about stuff in this field than you even fucking learned and you're going to chirp on but me. But listen to, what you're, listen to what you're saying. That's the reason there's no need to be angry because Sean so Michael is doing angry. amazing. He's got a thriving business. He's He's being sought after to speak at events, right? Just as you are. You're being, you know, I, people I, are asking. I weasel my way. Yeah. <laughs> Big false. Mark is Mark is not humble. Mark is just a flat out liar. <laughs> These are two guys that people want to hear from because you have knowledge that people want. I have knowledge. And, I have opinions. I just say the them loudly. People and the people that tell you guys you're wrong or you don't have evidence backing this or this isn't a hundred percent correct. Like today, one of the presenters, I won't call him out by name, but him and I joked afterwards. He was so careful with his language because he doesn't yeah, want to, he that. doesn't want to get attacked online. I brought, I brought that up to him like interesting choice of words he's like yep stay as neutral because as he possible. doesn't want to get attacked as but possible. how sad is that because we don't need to attack each other if you disagree with somebody's treatment philosophy or what they're saying nobody says you have to incorporate it especially Nobody's in this asking fucking field to do in, anything. This, in this industry I think we can let some of that we can have, we can be a little bit more loose with something like that yeah, yeah we can I, I think too it comes down to of the experience the client gets as well too because a lot of yes. people saying, okay, he's charging $178 and he's got, they're only seeing him for 30 minutes. What is the deal with that? It's the experience the person's getting. It's the call before. It's the, what they're getting before they're coming in. It's the 24 hour call it's, follow up. It's, it's the exercise experience. program. So it's, it's everything. You've got a patient base that's over 5,000 patients. So that speaks for itself. I'm going to call out Sun Life right now. If oh, you were angry. Sun you just Life, angry face. Yeah, here's where I am angry. Sun Life gives him a poor rating for being overpriced. Yet his 5,000 plus patients give him a five-star rating. Right. So who are you, Sun Life, to give him a poor rating a for his his fees? Because if people are willing to pay them, get the fuck out of here. I'm in a, a group on Facebook with a bunch of kinesiologists and we do these things. on Every Monday night we do a Zoom call, a meeting, and we have different to- topics of conversation. And there was a Sun Life person in that talking about their rating system and I was like laying into them so hard. I had to leave the meeting. I'm like, I'm just going to leave because I'm dominating this conversation and not in a positive way, but oh, fuck it all. No, I, di- I didn't like that at all. That's the one area where I'm like, that does make me a little bit angry because what he's decided is his fee, is his fee. If you don't like it, you don't have to be a patient. The end. And the whole thing is too, I don't care what Sun Life says. For me, I have to pay my front of men. I have to pay the assistant. I have to pay for my equipment. I have to pay for my rent for my building. I have to pay for my sheets. I have to pay for the hydro, the gas. I have to charge a certain rate. So I actually make some money and I'm actually running a business. There's no point in me having a business and charging a lower rate not to go home with any money in my pocket. We, we talk about this is. all the time. We're like, we don't know where this starving healer bullshit comes from. If you if you can't make money, how do you keep your doors open? If you can't keep your doors open, how can you help anybody? Like nothing makes sense. Well, and again, in an industry where we're always uh, shouting work-life balance, if you want to have a life, you do need to bring some money home. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just work, 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 pay bills, pay bills, pay bills. Yeah. 
And I did that. I, t- I did that for 10 years. It's not worth and it. It wasn't worth it. And then now I got a family. So I only work from 10 in the morning to 7 o'clock at night. We're all done by 7.30. And I get to spend the rest of my time at home. All my staff get to go have date night, dinner time, spend time with their kids too. So then everybody in the clinic works on work-life balance. Nice. But that's what we build as a culture and a philosophy in the, our my clinic. And that's what I want others to maintain or hold. Because there's no point in killing yourself day in, day out and not valuing it. My therapists make more at our clinic than any other therapist in the town because they're charging $60 up the street. We're charging 115 So or we're charging 135 for that therapist. Mm. But they're actually getting results. They're getting training. They're getting mentorship. They're making spectacular outcomes with all their patients. And they're getting something back and forth, that quality and time. I like it. I just like that you're doing things your way. You're doing things outside the box. And I think this is a good time for people who are listening. Um, I want you to plug yourself a little bit. Plug some of the upcoming courses you have. And you won't say anywhere again. Don't worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. Let us know about some of the upcoming courses or how people can find you um, who want to maybe take some of your courses. And, you know, even we didn't even talk about some of the courses that you offer. So if you can give us more details on that. Yeah. So some of the different courses I offer, my concussion course is one of my most popular ones. I go in through talking about the cranial nerves, cranial sacral therapy, the visceral. Um, I do a visceral program. Uh, today, I was speaking about cranial th- sacral therapy, which was awesome here at the clinic. So if you guys are at the, uh, the conference, so if you guys missed on that, uh, come check that out on the One Comps website. Um, I have my Dynamic Health Therapy YouTube page, which we just post training videos for therapists for free. So anything's up there, any treatments I've done on my children. I was going to say, for, and his cute kids are for, for in those peds. videos. <laughs> um, but I have a whole pediatrics course I do as well, too. How do you feel about your kids being all over all over, all over, over YouTube? Just out of curiosity. Because I keep my kids out, out of anything that I do professionally. I look at it, I want them to see what I've accomplished and how they are part of it. Right. So for me, they're a part of my accomplishments. Um, originally, it was all, all the people are going to see my kids and get their faces and all, all that, but they're part of the experience. And they, they like being a part of that as well, too. His older daughter gets recognized in public now in their in their town. <laughs> yeah, she has quite, quite a bit of recognition. You're the girl on the YouTube page. She has curly hair. Yeah, that, that's her. Oh, yeah, for anyone who's never seen Shawn Michael in person, and I mean, again, the, the curls on this guy. And my uh, second daughter, she has the craziest, curliest red hair, blonde red hair you could possibly see. So it's she's she's exactly like myself. Right on. Adorable. Do you have... Um, uh, did we talk about socials? Like if people want to follow you social on social platforms? media? Yeah. Um, so I only have my Instagram page for Dynamic Health Therapy. Um, I just post everything there. I don't have my own social at all. I just, everything's for the business and I promote myself on, on that business. And then we have our Dynamic Health Therapy Facebook page as well too. So we have that there. Um, anybody that wants courses or information, they're always free to email us at info at Dynamic Health Therapy or check us up on our uh, keswicktherapy.com website for the company. Um, but I try to promote everything through the business and work with it as it's a, a team model. I always say it's not about my name and myself. It's about what my staff and what who works for me do. Um, but we do everything from uh, Google My Business pages to how to do Instagram and Facebook to how to start up and doing these processes and protocols. I do administrative training. I do one-on-one coaching as well too. 
Um, and then any techniques or myofascial, uh, cranial sacral, visceral, muscle energy, counter strain. I just basically, whatever you're looking for, I kind of help with that. Cool. Awesome. In closing, I have two questions. So the first one I'm going to ask is, do you have an exit strategy? Because every good business owner has an exit strategy. Yeah. So I was actually supposed to retire this year. Mm. Um, I actually had a couple of therapists in place that were supposed to take over my whole practice. Right. But with COVID hitting, I'm um, back at full speed again. Gotcha, gotcha. Just because uh, osteos were unemployed for 13 months That's very true. during the pandemic. So my current one osteo is uh, construction right now. Mm-hmm. And the other guy is working at the airport because they're too afraid with fourth wave oh, wow. if they lose their job again. And I can't blame them for that. Yeah. No. Um, but I am just basically taking it day by day right now. Right. Um, and goal is to basically kind of run the business yeah. possibly sell it you never know when you're going to sell you always have to be ready to sell yep, yep. Um, because it's worth something there's processes and protocols in there absolutely and um, you have to be open to that but I'm I'm happy treating right now I love treating yep. um, I want to keep doing what I'm doing for at least another 20-30 years cool um, but I want to do it smartly yeah, like yeah. I said working smarter not harder mm-hmm. my last question has nothing to do with therapy what kind of hair products do you use <laughs> Oh, uh, I use a lot of Paul Mitchell hair products. Gotta, Mark just found his that. secret this year. Yeah, I did. It's a secret. So I'm not telling you just yet, people. <laughs> you have to wait. Paul Mitchell for those curls. Paul Mitchell and the shampoo. Kevin Murphy for the shampoo. Dun, for the, the curls. Got to get the uh, potassium and the sodium and all, See, all the extra. You don't have you there. don't have that beautiful hair without putting some thought into the products. No, it matters. I have two girls with curly hair because they thankfully both got Mark's hair, and so I'm I'm learning. They have mohawks. It's really strange. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, before Mark wraps it up, yeah, thank you. This, this was really fun. No, thank you guys for having me on here. I really appreciate it. We had a great a great time. And thank you, One Concept and Canadian Massage Conference, for letting us uh, hijack the space and just record Monica's standing beside and Cardi say hi I think you guys own space. the space now <laughs> yeah, I feel horrible. Mark's taking over Amanda you I'm know so what sorry. I just I can't wait to work more with you guys no. I think it should be called the Con Ed Massage American Canadian Massage Conference foreshadowing <laughs> I'm too angry and aggressive for any of that <laughs> I'm working on him <laughs> right on you guys have been listening to three massage therapists and a microphone peace